Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our GYST podcast, where we help you get your together. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome again to another edition of your favorite podcast. It is the GYST podcast. That stands for Get Your Shit Together. See how that works out? It's GYST, and it's Get Your Shit Together. Well, you just want us to cuss? What's going on here? I like it when you guys do that because I feel, you know, you good. feel a little better. I do. Mm-hmm. We adjusted it. Um, uh, and and that was just Glenn making sure that uh, we're setting up the mic the correct way. So thank you, Glenn. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a very fun episode because it's about defining your movie moment. Now, Rohit, yeah, what is a movie moment? I'm glad you asked, Kyle Reed. Uh, so first off, uh, I'm Rohit Rohila. I'm Kyle Reed. I stole that from you. Yeah, I looked at you, but you did. Glenn Rucks here. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, we've got an exciting day. Um, so before we started, I reached out to Glenn and Kyle, and I said, fellas, you are going to do this exercise. And they'll, they'll talk about their experience with the exercise. But I asked them to find... A movie moment of their life. What a movie moment is, is if somebody was watching a movie about you, what is the the, the key point, the, the time when you step so far outside of your comfort zone, a time when you redefine your life, maybe even a moment where you become the main character in your own movie. What was it? How did it make you feel? And what were some of the outcomes from it? And before we did that, uh, I introduced these guys to what is known as uh, the Superman pose or the victory pose. Now, it's been scientifically proven that if you do these two things, one of these two things, for at least two minutes, it takes at least two minutes uh, for for the brain waves to all synchronize and everything like that and start sending all the happy chemicals all throughout your body. But it's a feel-good chemical. And... It's so important because when you are feeling down, when you're feeling lost, when you're feeling like you haven't really accomplished much, if you do one of these things, it's going to help you get centered and just bring you back to who you truly are. So one is the victory pose, which I'm really surprised Kyle did not do. But essentially, it's you just get done running a marathon. So what do you do? You have your hands up in the air. So if you stand in front of a mirror with your hands up in the air like you just want to race, that is the victory pose. You've never ran a marathon. I haven't. You don't feel like raising much afterwards. His hands on (laughs) knees bent over. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I like it. I like it. And the other man, the the other one is the Superman pose. And that's just, you know, legs, uh, uh, feet shoulder width apart, hands on the hips, chest out, just feeling good and smiling. Do these two things for a a very minimum of two minutes in front of the mirror and you are going to be surprised. You're going to... You're going to look at yourself. You're going to start laughing. You're going to be like, you know, and then you're just going to feed off that energy because you're going to be like, oh, my God, I feel so dumb and stupid doing this. But it really works. So before we dive into the movie moment, fellas, I'd like to know, how was the the posing for you guys? Like, how, how did it make you feel? What was your experience with that? For me, uh, the pose, obviously, you, you, have, you, you joke that the pose that I chose is not what you thought I was going to choose. I chose a Superman pose. It made me feel the same way I feel when I'm wearing a suit. Fly as fuck. I have to have good posture. 
gotta get my back straight. I gotta sit up. I gotta, I gotta sit right in my chair like I'm a grown ass man, cause I gotta look good in this thing. This a suit provides posture to a man that he can't get anywhere else, even if you have good posture. I felt that the pose did the same thing for me. I felt like, man, I'm I'm representing Superman right now. I'm more of a Batman guy, but I'm representing Superman. And you even commented on on feeling a cape flapping around behind you. Yeah, I was envisioning that when I closed my eyes for a minute. I was like, man, like I'm on top of the world right now. So it was it was pretty dope. It it doing the pose. It wasn't just okay, you know, feet shoulder width apart, hands on waist. It was everything else you said. It was chest out, shoulders back, head chin to the sky, smiling, right? Like it creates the happy juices and it it made me kind of want to get into the get into the character, I guess. Yeah. What about you, Glenn? You also did the Superman? Yes, I did. I did the Superman. It kind of made me feel powerful and relaxed at the same time. So like nothing could hurt me. Yeah. That's good. Hmm. Well, fellas, let's let's dive into to the movie moment. Um, and so I'll I'll describe my movie moment real quick, and then you guys can describe yours, and then go into a little bit of details with the exercise. So, I thought of this when I acted so unlike me, and I did something that I was like, wow, like as I was doing it, I was like, this feels like it's a movie. Uh, surprise, surprise. I, I went to a week long seminar, uh, leadership, personal <laughs> development seminar, self growth and, uh, self help, <laughs> self help. And so when I, when I landed, um, it was in San Francisco, when I landed on the plane and was taking the shuttle, there was this girl who was sitting across the aisle from me and I looked over and I was like, oh, she, you know, she's kind of cute, you know, didn't think anything of it. And I was like, oh, I wonder if, if she's going to the same seminar as me, you know, didn't think anything of it. Throughout the week, her and I, so she she did attend the same one, but her and I always ended up near each other or or in the same group or something like that. And it just like kept on like popping out at me. And so it was about the fourth day now, I went up to her and, and I hadn't said a single thing to her at this point. And I was like, look, I, I this is going to sound weird, but I feel like I need to get to know you. Like... I, I, I don't know if, if you remember the, the shuttle from the plane. She was like, that was you, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I've noticed that we always end up near each other. And from that moment on, like, we just, like, we were inseparable. And, I mean, it was, it was so odd because imagine meeting someone for the first time who is someone you uh, find visually uh, attractive. And, and now you're diving in deep. And, and talk about, you know, self-limiting beliefs and some of the, the greatest things that are holding you back and, and really diving in. And some of the things that we experienced and shared during that week were just amazing. So at the at the very end, we had this big banquet and everybody, I'm dressed, you know, suit and tie and, and all the girls are wearing, you know, nice dresses. I mean, it's, it's a big uh, graduation ceremony. But it's also the last day, so a lot of people fly out that day. And so I kept on looking at her because she looked amazing. And I knew so this, this was... Is, sorry, this thing is during the middle of the day. I'm uh, just trying no, to, I, at I'm, night now. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. I'm just visualizing it. And um, and so I kept on looking at her and I kept on saying, like, I've, I've got to talk to her or establish some form of, of a, any type of relationship, friendship or whatever outside of this room. And uh, And what happened was 
while while I was there, this was this was maybe about 130 people or so, uh, 120, and other people kept on talking to me because when you have big breakthroughs at these events, people are drawn to you, and you know they they end up talking to you, and so that was the case with me, and a lot of people were talking to me, and then I looked up after about 10 minutes, and she was gone, and I was like, you know what's going on, and then and then I like feel my phone. And there's a text message from her saying, I, I wanted to talk to you before I took off, but you know, my my I'm on the bus now or on the shuttle going getting ready to go back to the uh, to the airport. And I just ran. Ran from that conference room, ran through the lobby. People are talking to me and I'm like, hey, hey, you know, just just waving. And I ran for my life. And there were three shuttles there. And I didn't know which one she was in or anything like that. They were getting ready to close the doors. And I just ran into one while I'm on the phone with her. Because I called her up. I'm like, I'm like, hey, like, are, are you still here? She's like, no, they're getting ready to close the door and stuff like that. I was like, do you know which bus you're in? She's like, um, I, I don't. And I just ran. And there I am standing next to the bus driver on the, like, sweating because I just ran, like, all this way. And I'm on the phone with her. And I see her sitting there on the phone. And... You know, we, we, I didn't even fly out till the next day. And so I was stuck at the airport for 12 hours because uh, this was at San Francisco airport and I didn't have a ticket. So, you know, they close after like midnight or something like that. So you have to be out on the other side. And so I was like riding around the monorail for like 12 hours because I had nothing else to do. But you couldn't call a cab to get back. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess I could have. But <laughs> that's not what this is about. Okay, this sorry, is about a movie sorry, moment. Sorry, sorry. Um, and, and looking back now, like, I just, that was such a highlight for me to, to just hold on. Like, I'm running and I'm on the phone and it just felt like, you know. Some rom-com stuff. Yeah. And so that was my movie moment. And, and I think about this and it's such a powerful moment because now when I'm, when I have moments of self-doubt or should I or shouldn't I or I remember the feeling that I felt when I just acted on instinct. And that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about is when did you guys just purely act on instinct or, or have a redefining moment of, of life, a moment when you weren't Glenn or Kyle. And looking back now, that was a moment that helped you define who you are. Hmm. Instinct. That's a good one. I hadn't considered that during this process. So that would take some, uh, some self-reflection for me to be honest what what would you say that's done for you now Oof. i i would say i'm i'm definitely not as, as afraid to talk to girls as as silly as that sounds because i did something like that which is just such a a grand gesture in a way that now i just i don't know and i i just look at that moment and and it's almost like I'm not living it. It's almost like I'm watching it where I see this guy running through a lobby as people are like trying to flag him down. And, you know, just there's three buses. Which one is she? You just go. And it was just, I didn't think. I, I just acted. And I realized that I wasn't in my head because I easily could have talked myself out of it. You know, I don't know this girl this well. You know, yeah, we, you know, hung out a lot during this week. But, you know, there, there's so many ways that we talk ourselves out of stuff but if we just listen to our hearts and our instinct and just go 
it's it's amazing what we can overcome. Yeah. Yeah. You don't let anything get in your way. Yeah. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, none of that. You just do it. And when I feel stuck, I think back to that moment. That's huge. That's a, a lot of what mine did for me as well. Um, big surprise here. My movie moment is completed my first marathon. It's not very instinctual, I wouldn't say, because it was very calculated and a lot led up to it. I had to go through a lot of training and commit a lot of my time uh, and physical efforts to accomplishing this goal. Let me tell you what. The day that I ran this marathon, oh my goodness, I was so nervous. My brother was living in Seattle on Capitol Hill at the time. Him and his now wife were out. Um, I don't know what they were doing. They were out for a friend's birthday party or maybe just out. And um, he was, I, I asked if I could stay at his house because I didn't want to commute from Tacoma to Seattle the morning of the race when the race started at like six or seven o'clock in the morning. 30,000 people running, nowhere to park, sounded crazy. I stayed at his house, got to his house the night before the race. Nice and quiet. I was nervous as fuck. I walked to the QFC on Broadway in downtown Seattle to go pick up some eggs and some pasta noodles. Oddly enough, that's what I eat. That's my thing for a long race. I eat scrambled eggs and just pasta noodles. Sounds disgusting. It does. But it works. <laughs> but it works. Um, I didn't get much sleep. I hoped to be passed out before they got home. Uh, but I was, I was awake, so, so I didn't get a ton of sleep. Woke up in the morning. I walked to the start of the race. Um, me and my boy Nate, we were running. The race was very, very challenging. Um, to my surprise, a lot of my friends actually came out to support me. Um, Chris, Marla, Emily, Ryan was there. Uh, Sam was there. Um, they made signs and all kinds of shit. And they were cheering us on at various points throughout the race. So that gave me energy to complete the race. As I was uh, finishing, I saw my dad and my brother. I was struggling. I had some uh, IT band issues. And um, I'm rounding the corner. I'm running as hard as I can, but I'm hurting. It's hot as hell. My dad and my brother see me and are like running alongside outside the ropes with me and trying to talk to me like, oh, man, you're doing good, blah, blah, blah. It's so awesome. And they duck the rope. And my dad uh, runs along next to me and my brother sprints ahead because I'm not running very fast at this time it's 26 miles in my brother sprints ahead and takes a picture of my dad and I running uh, Emily happens to be up a little bit further on the other side across a railing she's like starts screaming and hollering and you know all this stuff and uh, she sees my dad and my brother running next to me and she jumps over the railing and starts running as well next to me <coughs> So I, I crossed the finish line of my first marathon ever in my life with three of the most important people in my life. Um, not the only three. There's, there's others. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, that, for me, was just a moment where I was so overcome with joy and emotion. I will never forget it for the rest of my life. So the moment in and of itself is unforgettable uh, the amount of support that I that I got that I did not expect um, everything I felt from accomplishing this task was phenomenal 
you wrote a few things down during this exercise for us to think about. You know, what did we overcome and, and how has it changed our life? I overcame a lot of things. Uh, yeah. Negative self-talk, self-limiting beliefs, physical pain, for one. Feet, super sore. Oh, my God. So hot. Dehydration. Chafed nipples. <laughs> I thought that was Bad. just a... Nope. Nope. Yeah. It's dead serious. Dead serious. Michael Scott, huh? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> a huge commitment of my time and my energy... I had to give up a lot of things to train to complete this. This came at a time in my life where I didn't have many goals. I didn't have a vision for where I wanted to be. Um, I had not long before this not been accepted for a program in school that I was trying to get into. So I was a little bit defeated. And I noticed that I was just going through the motions in life. I was working and I was paying the bills. And I was wondering what I was going to do next. I needed a goal. So I said, you know what? I'm going to run a marathon. I called my boy Nate. I said, first I called my boy Tone, and he thought I was crazy. He was like, I don't fucking run. <laughs> Fuck you think I'm, you know, we was hollering back and forth talking trash. And I was like, all right, man. I was like, I appreciate it. I'll holler at you later. I only run if there's red, blue lights behind me. Right? So I called my boy Nate, and uh, he was like, yeah, man, I'm down. I'll do that. I was like, for real? He was like, yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Say no more. We doing it. You know, this is when it is. You got this much time to prepare. Um, the race was in June. This was like late January, early February. I'm like, okay, we got, you know, we got plenty of time. A lot of the, a lot, we didn't really have plenty of time. <laughs> I was like, a lot of the training programs say six months to a year. We got about five months. We'll be good. Very first one. I hadn't run more than a couple of miles at this point in my life at a time. Nate commits. I commit. And... Throughout this process, it gave me a goal. It gave me a challenge. It gave me the drive that I needed back in my life. Um, around the same time, while I was training for this, I ran into you while I was at work. And you told me where you worked at, and you were like, yeah, you should come take a look. Clark reached out and said apply. Now, it's likely that before this training, I wouldn't have had the confidence to even think that I would get the gig to apply. It took an outside source to convince me to apply for this gig. But had I not been going through this training and feeling the accomplishments that I was getting every step of the way, every rung of the ladder that I stepped up to get to that marathon at the top of the ladder, I might not have applied. I apply that to every aspect of my life. I completed a marathon. I can complete anything. Did you know that less than 1% of American American citizens have completed a marathon? Less than 1%. I'm a one percenter. In a good sense. Yeah. It gave me strength, confidence, assertiveness, and it gave me the ability to just have faith in myself and my own capabilities. So anytime I think I can't do something... I think about the time I thought I couldn't run a marathon. Mm. That's your movie moment. That's my movie moment, man. That's my movie moment. And it's done so much for me. What about you, buddy? How you doing, bud? You know, I've got a few moments to choose from because... You You're do... just that big of a stud. Yeah, well, you've heard some of Ball, my, um, my situations. Problem is, finding one that was that moment that changed my life in a positive direction. 
there's so many that could have been just negative, right? You you know, I could go with, oh, the story of when I was shot and stabbed. I could go with um, my ex-wife, <laughs> right? I could be talking about all that. But those really didn't change me. I was already changing at that point. I guess when I started changing was uh, my freshman year in high school. I was in the jazz band. But I had terrible stage fright. Just had this terrible... I, I could not get up there in front of people. I could get up in a group... Sure, because, you know, the spotlight's not on me, but I would never do a solo. I would always try and opt out of them. Then one day, you know, I had a rival school that was always beating us in a jazz festival. Wait, one what, of, that's a thing? That it, oh, yes, it is a real thing. You <laughs> like know, these, Step It Up, or what's that one? Those, uh, those I'm like visualizing yeah. now. I'm, I'm creating this, this scenario they, in they my They get head. very competitive, you know, and... Um, me being Drumline? Drumline, you know, drum yeah. We're, yeah, we're definitely... I wasn't a drummer. I had more than two brain cells to rub together. <laughs> not insulting the rest What'd of the drummers. What'd you do with the rest about. of them? Glenn's comment is not reflective of the opinions <laughs> of the GYST podcast. Please feel free to email him at glenn at gystpodcast.com. Yep. So drummers out there, I know sooner or later you'll learn how to use the internet and email me. <sighs> <laughs> No, actually, I know some very smart drummers, but um, it, it was just this one rivalry moment where a rival school that always beat us at, at jazz festivals and the lead trombone player, real arrogant little son of a gun, gets up in my face and says, yeah, that's right, we beat you last time, we'll beat you again this time. I'm like, I wasn't competing with you. <laughs> I mean, we are, we're competing, it's a jazz festival, it's a competition, but you're not even on my radar. I don't. I don't know you. <laughs> I know who who you are and what school you're with. I don't care. I'm here to have fun. Got to the point where he just kept ribbing me and ribbing me, and I I'm terrified of getting in front of a crowd. But I got so angry at this kid that I said, "Okay, I'm going to do something different." Went to the jazz band director. Said, "I want a solo." He said, "Okay, what song do you want to do?" I said, "Well." Why don't you give me the ballad? We're gonna we're gonna take this song called "A Time for Love." Okay, we've worked on that over the year, but we never planned on playing that in a competition. That was more for I don't know to build up the chops. I'm like, well, let's let's play it here in the competition. We're gonna destroy this other school. Okay, we played it. When it came time to play that song, we play a three-song set at these jazz festivals. And first song, really rip-roaring, fast, just up-tempo jazz song. We're wailing. We're having a good time. We get good marks on that. Second song is the ballad, and I'm going, shit, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> Normally, I'm not very competitive with people like this, but you know what? I'm going to step up. I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, I'm going to prove this kid wrong. He's not going to just destroy us. I, I got up there, I sat in front of the, and, it, and, and at jazz festivals, they put the spotlights right on you, which I think was kind of a benefit, because I thought I'd see everyone out in the crowd, but with the lights in my face, I couldn't see, see anything. Couldn't see yeah, shit. Yeah, you're on so stage, like, you don't see shit. Okay, now I can just pretend I'm in the jazz band room. I'm, it's I'm like getting you need a visor. I'm, I'm starting to get dizzy, I'm, I'm sweating, I'm, I'm getting nauseous. 
And then I look out and I can't see the crowd. And I'm like, okay, I can't see anyone that's better. I, I think I can pretend they're not even here. And we started playing the song. Normally I would have to look at sheet music. I didn't look at that. My eyes were closed the entire time. But I nailed that song. Not only did we beat that school in the jazz festival, but I also won the trombone solo award for that entire festival out of all of the different high schools. 68 that had competed in this state. Damn. I won a solo. We beat that school. We didn't win the, the festival, but we did beat that other school by a large margin. That's what's important. Funny beat, thing is... You beat the school you wanted to beat. Well, I I did. I wanted to. De- I just wanted to destroy that kid. But once we had won, once I found out I won, I could have gone and rubbed it in his face, said, now who the fuck you talking to, bitch? <laughs> I like I it. I could have done that. Glenn is spicy right now. <laughs> At first, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go do that. If we win, I'm going to go do that. But then I heard the results. I'm like, the results speak for themselves. Why? Why? Why cheapen it? That's something he would do. Why am I lowering myself? And at that moment, I I overcame not only my fear of standing in front of people and performing and being judged by others that I didn't know. Um, I also overcame my own arrogance, my own pride, which I could have used to just completely belittle someone who had been tormenting me. For no reason whatsoever. I'd never spoken to this kid. Little red-headed stepchild-looking kid. So you guys would have been good friends. Not at all. Not at all, but literally I, I, I overcame that pride, that, that harmful pride that would have taken me to a place of negativity. Would have just perpetuated more negativity with him and with others around him. So I, that was my movie moment that I'm going to go with on this one. What do you think that does for you today? Today? Well, I'm not, you know, really nervous about getting in front of people anymore. You don't play <laughs> trombone as much anymore, do you? <laughs> you know, every once in a while I'll pick up the trombone, but not to the extent I did in high school. Um, that's another story for a, another time. <laughs> but... I would say that it's it's put me in a place where I'm comfortable with even if I win, why rub it in? A little playful banter bef- between friends is fine, but when you're beating someone that's an enemy or someone that treats you poorly, I don't go back and rub it in their face. I think about it, but then I go, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth the negativity it brings to them. It's not worth the negativity it brings to myself. Well, I want to. I want to thank you guys for for this. Um, you guys didn't know, you know, what, what the main purpose of this was, and and I gave you guys this exercise to kind of do, and and explain a little bit. But I I think it's it's so valuable to think about these moments that we don't often think about. We've said on air before plenty of times that we don't see our own magic. And right now you just heard three stories 
of just random people that are incredibly powerful. And everybody who's listening to it, you've got your own movie moment. You need to think about what are some of the, the defining moments of your life and in, in a positive way. And when you're feeling down, reflect on this. Do the Superman pose. Do the victory pose. Think about these highlights where you stepped out of your comfort zone. Or, you know, for example, with Kyle. What made Kyle's moment Kyle's moment was when he was feeling like, I don't know if I can keep going. At that moment, he looked around and saw all these people who were there for him and running with him and cheering him on and didn't give up on him. And that's what we can do for ourselves so often is if we're the only ones fighting, we start settling. We Instead of giving it 10 every day, we'll start giving it 9 every day and then 8 Today. every day. And it just keeps on going down. But then if you've got some cheerleaders who believe in you, not just not just say, oh, yeah, Kyle, like, you can do it. We believe in you. Yay. It was a deep down, like, you could see it on their faces, why they were there. Glenn, same thing for you. Like, some of the stuff that it was, it was an ec- external force that propelled you to a level that you didn't think you could reach. Had this kid not been here, and who knows where he is now, or if he even knows how significant of a role he played in the development of your life. Maybe you are on this podcast right now talking about that experience because of him. Had he not come in your life and, and gotten in your face and challenged you and given you the opportunity to step up into a, a brand new you, one who wasn't living within your comfort zone, because everything that you said was way outside your comfort zone, but that wasn't important to you. And when something is so important to you and you're so passionate about something, comfort zones go out the window. Then why is it we operate from our comfort zones all the time? And if you can take a look at these moments and just use them to propel yourself forward, it's so powerful, so magical. When you realize you aren't the only one fighting for something. Like... I feel like I've gotten to know you guys on a completely different level. But before we end, what I would really like to know is from, from your guys' standpoint, again, you audience at home, they didn't know what this exercise was about before we started. It was literally like, okay, do it, and now I'm recording. I'd like to know what it was like for you guys to think about this moment and what it means to you. Not other people's, you know, so, Glenn, I want to know how it, how sharing that story impacted you, not how Kyle's impacted you, if that makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. You know, share, sharing something like that, you know, it's not something I readily discuss. I don't normally discuss my personal life. Only a few of my friends know anything about my personal life. So, I don't know, that, that moment when I share that, it is empowering it sort of lets me know that, you know what, it's a valid moment. It's a valid moment to me. And that's what matters. It doesn't, doesn't have to be a big thing, you know. I didn't, didn't have to go to the point where, you know what, I survived death. 
or you know I jumped from a building and rescued people from a fire no I I don't have to go there to be important in that moment I felt important I felt successful I felt fulfilled for that moment and sharing that moment brought that feeling back it's nice Kyle sir um man sharing my it really just it brought all that stuff back it brought back the same confidence and swagger that I had when I completed a marathon um it's I've, I've talked about it several times some parts I haven't talked about is what led me to attempting it right yeah. is the place that I was in at that time in my life was a place of complacency not contentment complacency in sharing that um I would say sometimes it makes me feel vulnerable, but I'm okay with that because I know that it's not who I am today. And I think being able to share that growth with you fine gentlemen and our listeners and anyone else is an example of what's possible. Find your marathon, whatever it is. Yours was a girl on a bus. Yours is a trombone solo. But what if that girl on the bus was your wife? It like reminds me of a rom-com. What? I don't know which one specifically, <laughs> but you know. You pick, pick one. 27 dresses. Something. I don't Wedding know. singer. Yeah. There's that watch. moment chasing the girl down. How to lose a guy in 10 days. I've seen them all. Yeah. You own them still? I... Love chick flicks. I got a bunch on DVD. DVD. <laughs> yeah. But, what are but those? Like you said, it this this can be so powerful. And there was there was a lot of stuff done behind the scenes with this. The the victory Superman pose. It was to help you guys associate that. And so now when when you're feeling low and you're feeling down, if you do that, it's gonna remind you about this day now. It's going to remind you of a moment when you overcame such huge obstacles that you didn't even think it was possible. That's what self-help is all about. Is it's recognizing the limitations that are there and not caring about them and, and just pushing forward. And everything that we did here is so powerful. Audience, like, do it yourself. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling lost, do this exercise, do the poses, and you're going to see things are completely different. Beautiful. Roy, I want to thank you for this episode and for this exercise. Because it was really fun. Very insightful. It was very uplifting, positive. I mean, you're reliving a positive moment in your life. Why wouldn't somebody want to do that? So, thank you. Absolutely. Listeners, as we wrap up today, we want to thank you as well for tuning in another week and listening to us talk on this on this microphone. Just a couple of guys standing around the table talking on a mic. Thank you for tuning in. GYST Podcast. We have been quite active on Instagram. Glenn, 
You've been doing your thing on Instagram lately. Mm. I want to thank you for that. Bless you. Oh, my goodness gracious. Excuse me. So, listeners, check out our Instagram account. Glenn has been doing his thing. Hit the website, gystpodcast.com. And as always, subscribe, recommend. Give us that like, that thumbs up. And we'll see you again next week for another fantastic episode of your favorite podcast, the GYST Podcast. Get your shit together. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to our GYST podcast. We hope you learned how to get your shit together.